0: All right, dads. Today's guest is a BMX X Games phenomenon. He is also a Hollywood stuntman who has performed stunts in such blockbuster movies as Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Mike Escamilla will be joining me here in just a few minutes, so please stick around for the interview. I have an exciting guest announcement for you guys here today. Next week on the podcast, I will be joined by a world-class bowler, a dad who has over 22 titles, 11 major championships on the Professional Bowlers Association Tour, Jason Belmonte will be here with me. He'll be my second guest from the land down under. He is from Australia. And you just have to Google him to see his unique two-handed bowling style, which is very cool to see. Uh, He is a four-time bowler of the year, so lock it in for that. It's going to be a lot of fun and something different. And bowling is such a fun activity to do with the kids. We were in a rhythm here at one point where we went bowling practically every Sunday uh, when we had just the three boys. It is definitely something I'd like to do more of. Uh, It is also a great way to have fun without technology. It creates some good, healthy family competition. And now that the warm weather has returned here to the Northeast, it'll be fun to get back outside and do more activities with the kids and, and especially take long walks, which is something I love to do with them. I was never into the bike riding or skateboarding scene as a kid, but today's guest knows a thing or two about it. I am always just blown away by what guys like Mike Escamilla are capable of doing on a bike. The very first X Games happened back in 1995 when I was 14 years old, and it really took off since then. We now have the winter X Games with all the snowboarding and stuff, and it has produced some just insanely talented athletes. So it's very enjoyable to watch. If you are into the extreme sports, you are in for a real treat today. So tomorrow, of course... We're going to finish it off with a Frogman Friday with former Navy SEAL Clark Enfistado. So lock it in for that. And please uh, do me a favor and share this podcast with any father in your neighborhood or in your contact list. Let them know about the podcast that celebrates fatherhood and family life. Fatherhood rocks. Family values rule. And every day is Father's Day right here with me. And I'm going to jump into the action right now with stuntman Mike Rooftop Escamilla. I'm Alec Lace. And you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. Thank you for listening to First Class Fatherhood. You are going to hear a word from my sponsors in the middle of today's interview. If you would like to consider becoming a sponsor of First Class Fatherhood, please hit me up with an email, firstclassfatherhood at gmail.com. All right, and joining me now is a first-class father. He is a legendary BMX X Games competitor. He has broken some records, including the official backflip and 360 distance records on the X Games Big Air ramp. He has backflipped over a helicopter while the blades were spinning. He is also a Hollywood stuntman who is known as Rooftop. It is so cool for me to say, Mike Escamilla, welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Hey, how's it going? All right, here we go. How many kids do you have and how old are they?
1: I have a I have a five year old little girl who's uh well she's five.
0: <laughs> <laughs> is she into uh, any sports or activities yet?
1: Yeah, she's currently doing jujitsu, which she seems to love, which is great because uh I, she had she was doing gymnastics, but sort of didn't I think it was a little too follow the leader uh, for her, and uh, she didn't know anything about jujitsu, but she seems to uh, seems to like it a lot. So I'm pretty I'm pretty stoked that she's found something that she likes. It really doesn't matter what she wants to do as long as she's doing something.
0: Yeah, it's so cool that kids have really gotten into Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and it's becoming very popular right now.
1: Yeah, I think so. You know, I mean, it's uh, definitely good for making her stop talking
0: <laughs> for what <when> you're not
1: <laughs> supposed to, you know. Uh, she's, getting, she's definitely getting better at listening uh, since, she, uh, since she started a couple months ago.
0: Yeah, very cool. All right, Mike, please just take a minute here to hit my listeners with a little bit about your background and what you do.
1: Okay, so I'm uh, traditionally, for the last, like, 20-some-odd years, I've been a professional BMX bike rider, uh, traveling the world, doing that, entering contests, like X Games, and things like that. But at the same time, I've also uh, been working as a Hollywood stuntman and a TV host. So I've uh spent the last 20-some years traveling the world. I've been to 62 countries, um, but I've been out of the country uh, a little over 200 times. Um, and now pretty much my job is being a dad.
0: Yeah, so awesome Mike. And how old were you now when you became a dad? And how did becoming a father kinda of change your perspective on life?
1: Um I would have been what was she five now, so I would have been like thirty six maybe? Maybe wow, okay. thirty six. And uh I had had step other step I had step children before. Uh so I had sort of been being a dad for for you know, for almost, you know, ten years or something. Uh before that, but they were Having a little girl, which had never occurred to me that I would have a little girl, uh, and now I can't imagine having a boy. I, it's made all the difference in every day of my life. I can't even, I, I can't even fathom not seeing or hearing her face every day.
0: Okay, and did you know you were having a girl? Did you do some type of uh, gender reveal, or did you wait until the end to find out?
1: No, no, no. I don't. That's the gender reveal. So weird. Uh, no, we just, we just found out. I think to me. That made it easier just to, like, prepare for what it was. But I remember, like, at the time, they're like, oh, it's 90%. It's a girl. I remember in my head, I was like, well, I'll hold out for that 10%. Um, But, uh, yeah, we found out it was a girl. But we didn't didn't have a name for her until, like, four days after she was born.
0: Wow, that's interesting. And I know that you're used to uh, high speeds and crazy stunts here. So what was that first ride home from the hospital like for you? Were you driving well, a little cautiously there? Did you have your hands at 10 and 2?
1: Well, actually, um, she didn't come home for two months. So we were in the NICU for two months and she had some complications and needed some surgeries. And so she wasn't two months old until we drove her home, which at that point, the idea of just seeing her outside of a hospital bed, uh, trumped like any sort of worries of driving or anything like that. We were just so happy that she, you know, she had some, she had a pretty tough, uh, 50 days, first 50 days.
0: Yeah, what a feeling that had to be to finally get her home. Now, uh, during that time, what was it like for you guys? Were you practically living at the hospital? Did you take turns sleeping there, or how did that work? I mean, we took
1: turns because there was um, a step stepson, uh, so that we had another mother-son uh, at, um, at home. So, obviously, we took turns, but they, for the most part, we lived at the hospital other than taking kids to school. Like, there was, like, I'm, I, I don't know how many nights, but there, there couldn't have been more than, like, two nights in the two months that there wasn't somebody sleeping with it in the room
0: yeah i can only imagine mike what it must have been like for you i mean i have four kids myself here each one of them was a high risk pregnancy uh we did go through a series of miscarriages so i know how nerve-wracking and just how joyful it can all be um and now that you are a father mike do you refuse some of the crazier stunts that you used to perform or is it just business as usual
1: no i don't know st- stunts don't matter because uh that's your job but i don't i've decided i don't base up anymore. Um, I, uh, I don't base jump anymore, which is like, uh, you know, like, uh, parachuting or, you know, skydiving basically off big structures, antennas, buildings, bridges. Um, so I don't do that anymore. And that was the one thing that I just decided that I didn't do enough to be current and feel safe enough to do it. So I just decided that I wasn't going to do that. But everything yeah. else is pretty much stayed the same, but I mean, I make choices. I definitely, I mean, to be honest the things that scare me the most are just like getting on any plane it scares me
0: now. Yeah. I've watched some of that base jumping stuff. It is just incredible. Now, do you do the wingsuit uh, flying as well?
1: Yeah, I used to. I haven't done wingsuits in a while. I, I, uh, I For a while I was getting into it. I'd, I'd like to really start getting back into it.
0: Okay. And as far as the movie stunts go, what has been the most uh, challenging stunt that you've had to perform?
1: Well, uh, for a film, I don't know if there's any challenge. To be honest with you, I don't know if there's any challenging ones for films because it's, a lot of the stunts are so well put together, and so I mean, there's so many people working on it. I mean, none of them uh, took any nearly as much effort as some of the bike stuff I had done over the years. So, I mean, I've worked on movies like uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, um, Winter Soldier, uh, Ant Man, Captain Marvel, American Sniper, Horrible Bosses Two, I think. Um, so, but they all. A lot of it, for me, it was a lot of, like, what they call NDA, or, um, uh, NDA stunts, non nondescript. So just uses for a lot of falling down, getting shot, blown up, no specific, uh, um, stunts like that. There was a couple that we did, there was a stunt sequence we did in this movie Stick It that was BMX-based, so that one was a bit tricky, because I actually did the stunt, no wires, no anything. I actually had to figure out how to do it, and we'd it was sort of like a uh, sort of like mouse trap set up off a roof into an empty pool, and uh, that one was a little bit, took a little difficult, but also, you know, carried a little bit more um, danger because I actually had to pull the trick. You know, there was no wires attached to me or like things like that. So if I fell, it was a real crash.
0: Yeah, and I guess all this CGI has kind of changed the game in the stunt world, right? Uh, you know, it doesn't look as good as it used to, like, say, when Steve McQueen was riding on the motorcycle in The Great Escape, and then they had the stuntman jumping over the fences. Uh, do you miss that type of, like, the real stunts, or are you happy that they have the CGI?
1: I mean, I think there's a time and place for everything. I I, I mean, obviously, I'd l- the more stunts, the better, because that means that more of my friends can make a living. Um, definitely, a lot of, it, of those things make things a bit safer, or... A bit more grand, you know what I mean. But you can always tell, and you can you can tell when something's digital or when something's done practical. And nine times out of ten, the practical always uh, looks better.
0: Yeah, I agree. All right, let me get back to you as a father here, Mike. Uh, what does your bedtime routine look like with your daughter? Do you are singing her songs at night? You're reading her books. So, what? How does bedtime go down in your house?
1: Um, we just, uh, you know, it, it, she ever since she started school, she sleeps about. Eleven and a half to twelve hours a night it's crazy probably about, uh, probably about ten or ten and a half to eleven and a half hours a night and uh so we get to bed actually earlier than i used to, we used to, and most of the time it's us and med, and I tell her a make believe story I just make up a story, and then she wants to tell me a story, and then she wants to tell me how to tell her a story <laughs> so most of the time we do read books, and most of the time it's me making stories up uh for her.
0: Yeah, that's awesome, Mike. Now, how about when it comes to uh, discipline? Uh, are you a spanker, a timeout guy? How do you handle discipline with her?
1: Uh, well, we haven't really gotten to a point where we needed too much of it. She's she's had a few few times where I just uh, you know she's obviously all kids act up and act their age, but uh, I feel like lately I've just sort of said, "All right, well, you sit there." i taught her how to. We've been working on breathing techniques because I've been doing that a lot lately. Uh, just to calm herself down and sit there and realize what's going on and, you know, make that sort of judgment for herself that it's just time to calm down because nine times out of ten or or more than that, you know, it's she's just tired and worked up over something that ultimately she doesn't care about. So I don't really, I don't want to go, it's hard to get mad at somebody when they're just tired and overreacting, you know. Uh, we've had a couple meltdowns that I'm like, oof, you know, like get in the car, you know, but uh, but for the most part, she's a pretty, she's a pretty sweet little girl.
0: Yeah, I went from having three boys to having a girl, and I do handle discipline a bit differently with my daughter here. She's only four years old, and I definitely need to work on my uh, my discipline game a little bit with her. It's, I'm definitely, uh, it's a learning curve for sure here.
1: Yeah, 100% learning curve, but I've just, I've, I, I, it's weird in the last, like, year for sure, the last nine months. I have gotten my patience level in general has gone way up. So I don't, it's, when she's having a meltdown of some sort, I does not instantly uh, make me upset or like, you know, just become something where it's just taking time on for me to just be like, you know, for, for me to get mad. So, uh, I just, um, I just let her, you know, I sort of try to defuse the situation when we talk about it.
0: Yeah. Well said. And- It's time to get some important words from our sponsors, then right back with more from Mike Rooftop Escamilla. I'm Alec Lace, and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. Let's go, dads. You heard me speaking recently about my daddy-daughter date to see Frozen on Broadway, and it was a night to remember. I bought my tickets on SeatGeek.com and used my promo code FIRSTCLASS. That's one word, FIRSTCLASS, and I saved $20 off my tickets, which I used to buy my daughter a souvenir at the show. Right now, baseball season is in full swing. Both NHL and NBA playoffs are heating up. And if you plan on bringing your kids to any live event, go to SeatGeek.com or use the SeatGeek app and plug in my promo code FIRSTCLASS. One word, FIRSTCLASS. And First Class Fatherhood listeners can save $20 off their tickets. It's a slam dunk deal, guys. Go to SeatGeek.com and use the promo code FIRSTCLASS. Fatherhood is the best seat in the house. Are you enjoying first-class fatherhood? Did you know you can actually get paid just for listening to this podcast? It may sound insane, but it's true. There is a free new app called PodCoin, and it literally pays you to listen to podcasts. Seriously. Just go download the free PodCoin app on your iPhone or Android. And if you use my special code, First Class Fatherhood, you will get 300 Podcoins just for signing up. The more you listen, the more PodCoin you earn. And then you turn those Podcoins into gift cards for places like Amazon, Starbucks or more. So go ahead and listen to this podcast on PodCoin and sign up using the code First Class Fatherhood. It will change the way you listen to podcasts. getting back to all the BMX stuff. I mean, that wasn't very popular when I was growing up. Uh, we've seen a big rise in it, you know, since the X games, of course, I've had Tony Hawk on the show here. I mean, he blew up the skateboarding scene completely, but, um, the playgrounds and the parks, they used to be full of kids just packed playing outside when I grew up. And now you don't really see that anymore. Uh, what are some of the major differences you've noticed about the BMX scene from when you first started to what it is today? Well, there's actually more BMX kids, you now—a ton more.
1: Um, I and I know that they sort of like this guy, you'll all see crews of bike riders out and skateboarders out a lot, um, which you actually see more now than you did when I was a kid. Um, but I think you see, in general, kids playing outside a lot less and kids running around neighborhoods, you know? Um, I grew, I was uh, blessed enough to grow up in a neighborhood that had like 15 kids in it. It was just like every night in the summer with these massive water fights and huge hikes of see with with or four, four or five houses. So... I was really lucky to have that. And I I do miss that for, for my daughter. Uh, We do have a neighbor that has a daughter the same age. So that like literally born a week apart by the same doctor. So that helps because they do play. Like, I feel like, you know, okay. You know, we let, you know, she goes over to the house or, you know, there's times when she's just like, Oh, she's over there playing, which is great because I do feel like there is a bit of that. And, you know, you could, you could, you could call it that, you know, you're, Oh, you're just old because kids are now inside playing video games and doing whatever. You could say, "Oh, when you're just old. You need to um, you need to change with the time. But just because technology evolves doesn't mean that that it's great, you know. And just because things were better before doesn't mean it was the best way either. But I do feel like we are going to have a, a general problem uh, with the way people not learning how to treat each other and deal with um, deal with disagreements, you know, because everything is done. Through a monitor and no one actually has to deal with people face to face. So I think we're gonna, I feel like we're gonna, we're gonna get to a point where people just don't know how to interact correctly with people because they've spent 80% of their lifetime inside doing it through a monitor.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more, and I talk about it all the time on the show here, Mike. I mean, I drive Uber on the weekends, and I do love the fact that because of all this technology, countless lives have been saved here. The teenagers, the early college kids, they're not drinking and driving, but, man, once they get in the car, the communication skills go right out the window, and they only converse through the phone, either Snapchatting or group texting one another.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, like, it's you know, it's like anything. I mean, I've had arguments with teenagers, and where they're just like, well, you're just old. You know, you don't understand our culture. And like I it's almost laughable, you know, you're, as if you know, like it's 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 a it's bit silly. Like I get you have new things, we had new things that we that my parents didn't approve of, you know. Um or thought was a waste of time, but there's a difference between having something you're into and shutting yourself off from the rest of the planet all day long where you are disconnected from life. So I just um I just feel that like uh I mean, it's hard because I, I, I don't want to be that guy saying you shouldn't do this. But I just feel like there needs to be a better. I just think that it's, it's easy for kids to be, have, be babysit by iPads and iPhones and video games. And so it, it makes it a hard battle with parents who are truly just working really hard to support their family, you know.
0: Yeah, I agree. And it has also changed the way the younger generation is dating. I mean, they we used to have all the personal ads in the paper, but I don't know anybody that ever u- actually used to do that. I mean, now the online dating apps, they're hugely popular amongst the teenagers and the college kids uh, when it comes to dating.
1: Well, I just look at it like before you would date somebody in your town, right? You could only date who you could possibly meet, right? So this way, it, 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 uh, it just opens it up where the dating pool is a lot bigger. You could possibly find someone that you like more. But I think it I think it's more like, a, you know, it's like a version of checking out girls when you're at a amusement park when you're a kid or when you're at the movies. But just you know, you just it just it's always at your fingertips. So, I mean, think about if you were like a 15 year old boy and you could check girls out all day long, every day. It's, it's almost like a drug. You know, you could communicate with them and they could you could talk back to them, and there was all the inhibitions of like having to actually have any balls and go up and talk to somebody all go out the window. So you can be anybody you want through, you know, with which is good for some people, but at the same time, it's also like, it's not, it's not making you any, you know, it's still keeping you in your little shell.
0: Yeah. And eventually you have to communicate with the person face to face and it's a much different experience than texting. But I mean, you bring up a good point there because uh, back in the day, the field was just limited to the girls in your neighborhood. And now, you know, you, you can link up with the girls all the way across the country, even the world. So there's a lot more variety out there today with all these apps.
1: Yeah, it's just like you know. I I, I don't want to, you know. There's, there's somebody said that it's better now because you, you, you know. This, I think I heard somewhere that like you have more information. You look at more information a day than you would in your whole life if you lived in the 1500s. And it's like the the idea of that is just seems blows my mind. Like you, like kids today have it really easy when it comes to being able to find any information. The only thing that I find that's um, that's a bummer is that. They're so stuck in this portal that is their phone that they, I mean, I mean I've almost hit so many people because they just walk out in the street looking down at their phone, assuming the rest of the world is going to stop for them, you know? And so I just think that uh, there's, there's as much to learn from looking down at your phone, if not more, than looking up out of your phone and going and actually doing things. Like I had someone tell me that they can't wait for VR to be better because then they won't have to, they can see everywhere and, and never have to really go and do anything. And that felt like such a sad statement to me.
0: Yeah, and listen, I mean, we're all adapting to it, and as parents, we we struggle with the technology a bit, but as it relates to our kids, uh, how about with your daughter is? She swiping screens yet, uh, dabbling with the technology at all? We monitor it. Um, it, it got out of hand for a minute,
1: uh, but like we, you know, we've we've monitored it, and we've also like restricted it to only certain kinds of programming. Um, I would, I mean, uh, to be honest, it's all, I would always love it to be less, um, but we, you know, she gets. We, we, you know, every, the second she gets, I pick her from school, it's always like, what are we doing today? Are we going to go to the park? Are we going to go to jujitsu? Are we going to go do something fun? What are we going to do? So she's definitely more motivated to actually be doing stuff and being out of the house. Um, so that, I feel good about that. So if she is on the iPad a little bit. I don't feel as bad. It's when she, if she ever becomes, and she starts crying because she can't watch it, you know, or it feels like you're taking away a drug, then you're like, oh, we've got to, we've got to back this up a little bit. But, um, You know, at the same time, you don't want your kids to be uh, technically illiterate either. Because everybody else, is. that's how everyone else is learning. So it's it's, it's a little bit tricky.
0: Yeah, and there is a fortune to be made with these phones as well. I mean, uh, the pendulum swings both ways here. We've seen uh, some terrifying results as far as cyberbullying, where you got kids committing suicide as a result of it. And then you've seen kids on YouTube become multimillionaires. So there are some extremes uh, uh, to all this technology.
1: Yeah, yeah. I just the thing is, I just want him to be a kid. Like everyone always asks. Like every, I get a lot. Like you should start a YouTube channel with with Luna, but and and she wants to so bad. And we may make one that's private for her to watch, where she feels like it's you know other people watch it. But I don't. The thing that I have that for me personally, and maybe it's just because of the way my life is being, you uh, know, doing TV host and and what I've been doing for so long, is that I don't. I want her to like go and enjoy stuff, not feel like she has to put on a show for people. So you know, she's always trying to film her day or what she's doing. It's all it's it's always a show, and I want her to really enjoy being a kid. Uh, and so her life is because I I truly believe if you if you're eight years old or five years, you started eight years old and you are making a YouTube show and it's constantly the show. Some people that's perfect. That's for exactly what they're gonna do. It's what they were meant for. But I think there's you know there is a portion of it that's like you 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 started to view every single thing you do differently because you look at it as a way to entertain people instead of in entertaining yourself, and there's nothing wrong with that, especially being an entertainer. I just don't know if that's, you know, I, I for me personally, I would like to try to keep her at the other end as long as I can, where she's just, we're just doing things so she can enjoy it.
0: Yeah, and I recently had Matt Roloff on the podcast here, the star of Little People, Big World, and that's something that he said, you know, from doing it for so long, you start to lose sight of what's real and, and what's reality TV, and the lines can get blurred for the kids.
1: Yeah, 100%. So adults can make can understand that, and even then, sometimes they can't. You know, but yeah. for a kid who's constantly like feeling there's a camera on, so we're we're trying to put on the best show possible. That's uh, you know, that's sometimes I feel like that kids don't need that. You know, every day in their life.
0: Yeah, I agree. All right, Mike, you've had so much success here already. What's next for you? Uh, do you have any kind of films that you're working on right now? Any uh, big stuntman stuff coming up?
1: Um, right now, uh, for the last couple months, I've been um, I've been working on my own podcast. So I'm hoping to launch in June. So that's that's what I've been focusing on the last couple of months. So hopefully we'll be launched in June. It's called. Uh, I've never I've never told you, but this is the first person I told. Uh, it's called Keep Bleeding,
0: and uh, hopefully it'll be uh, available um, in, in June. Wow, awesome! That sounds exciting. What type of uh, show is it going to be? You're going to be interviewing people in your industry. It's basically
1: it's, it's about it's a jump off point is uh, people talking to people who have to continue to give blood to to, to keep their their passion or dream alive, whether that mean actual blood or uh, you know, someone who's constantly having to uh change or evolve to continue to do what they love, like maybe an actor or comedian who maybe gets a lot of a lot of nose, you know, and what what things you gotta do to constantly give blood to that to that craft so that you can pursue it.
0: Good stuff. Yeah, I love the angle. All right, last thing I want to hit you with here, Mike, I love to ask all the dads that I get on the podcast, what type of advice do you have for that new dad or for that about to be father who's out there listening?
1: Uh, you're ready. Don't ever think you're not ready. You know, it's just gonna thing go fall into place and you'll be that you'll be a perfect parent, you know. Just be just just uh you know, just be patient with yourself as much as with your kids.
0: Well said. I love the message. This has been a lot of fun for me. I gotta say, Mike Escamilla, you are a first class father and thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time on first class fatherhood. All right, man, thanks a lot. Have a good one. All right, I'm back with some closing thoughts in just a second here. Back to wrap things up here on First Class Fatherhood. I got to give a special thank you once again to Mike Escamilla for giving me a few minutes of his time here. It was so cool. Please hit me up on Twitter, guys, or drop me that DM over on Instagram. I always love to hear your feedback. Lock it in for tomorrow. We're going to finish off strong with a Frogman Friday edition of First Class Fatherhood. Former Navy SEAL Clark and Pistado stops by. Next week, I'm going to smack you guys with a five-banger. Follow me on Instagram at Alec underscore Lace to find out all the guest announcements. That's all I got for you guys today. I'm Alec Lace. You have been listening to First Class Fatherhood. And please remember, guys, we are not babysitters. We are fathers. And we're not just fathers. We are first-class fathers.